Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. And so we are on our second part of our um, series in Advent. Um, If you didn't listen last week, it was a banger, let me tell you. Um, Last week we talked on winter solstice and how, did anyone listen to it? Right? Tony, did you miss miss it? Yeah, just lie next time, right? Just make me feel better next time. (laughs) Yes, listen to it four times, loved it. It was so good, I can't wait to listen to it again. Um, but it, I talked on, um, I listened to this um, podcast, and I read part of his book of this um, historian and sociologist, talked about how did Christmas come to be Christmas as it is, as in the early church. Christmas wasn't with a tree, it wasn't this big feast, all the emphasis was on Resurrection Sunday, right, in the early church, because that shaped everything. And it wasn't until these group of Christians and the Celtics came together that we have this beautiful way of celebrating. And it's, it's, I don't know why I'm talking about this, that there's this theory of, of people, and even when I was young, of people saying, well, you know, all these holidays came from pagans, this pagan informed. And I'm like, yeah, which, as it should be, it's beautiful. The word pagan is not this evil, horrible thing, right? It's, it's this idea of something different. And what the Christians did is they came in and saw the Celtics and how they um, loved the earth and how they loved one another and how they celebrated and they they found purpose and meaning in being able to add value to something. Instead of saying this is bad and evil be like us, they're willing to move and ebb and um, continue to evolve. And that's how we come to Christmas is on the winter solstice, that there was on the darkest day, right? They believed that the sun would die and that there would be this new sun. And with this new sun came this new life, came new opportunity, came new warmth, new sense of belonging, uh, a new harvest. And that's why we have... Christmas, like three days later than the winter solstice, as a way of this is the time of the new sun that is beginning to be radiant. I love that stuff, right? Because Christmas is this sense of belonging. It is this sense of celebration in a really hard time, right? It's dark when you go to work. It's dark when you get home from work, right? And I am like, and what am I, 41? And I should be like, emotionally prepared to handle these things and every season i'm like why do we live here there is places that are warm all the time but i love this place right i even i actually kind of like uh kind of like the the struggle that it is to living up here and it's in that time it's in that darkness that we can find light that there is still light in the midst of hard things and those hard things can't overcome the light next week nikki's gonna be talking about um john one and the the, the purpose of light and what light can do. And Advent is all about darkness and light. But what we're reading today is about singing. It is about this beautiful song by Mary. And it is still in this incredibly dark season. And it is a wild story of, of how um, the Christ came to be, of how Emmanuel came to us. It is a wild story. When we read Bible stories that we read every year over and over and over again, it's really easy just to think through, yeah, yeah I know how this goes, and yeah, the angel comes and speaks to Mary, and then there's this and there's that, and then we get to the end, and it's all happy, and story's over. 
But in the story of Luke, there is this um, crazy, wild story. Hello, friend. Welcome. Welcome, Dylan. Nice to see you. Um, there is this uh, beautifully wild story. And in Luke, it starts out by Luke saying he's telling a buddy of his, Theopolis. He's like, hey, I wrote all this stuff down. I investigated from these eyewitnesses. I want you to know more about the person of Christ. So the, everything we're reading is the purpose is Luke is trying to inform Theopolis about who Jesus is. And how the story starts doesn't make any sense. If I was going to tell the story about uh, the person of Christ, if I was going to tell the story how I was going to transform the history of histories, I would not tell the story, start the story with a bunch of nobodies. Because that is what the, the book of Luke is, is a bunch of nobodies. You might even, you could even call them losers. In like the context of what is important, movers and shakers, these are absolutely nobodies. And actually, like, w- like we have like this high history and this beautiful picture of Mary. It doesn't even start with Mary. It starts with some guy named Zachariah. That's how the book, the book of Luke starts. That's the story of Jesus, Zachariah. Zachariah is uh, married to Elizabeth, and he's in the temple, and it says one time. He gets one shot to light this incense. He goes there, he lights this incense, and an angel shows up. And the angel tells him, hey, your wife is going to have a baby, and they could not have a baby. They're old, and um, you're going to have this baby. And um, he doesn't believe him. The story starts with Zachariah not believing this angel, which I don't blame him, right? It is this wild thing to be in this, to be in this temple, and all of a sudden this angel shows up and says, there's going to be this miracle. You're going to have a baby when you think you can't have babies. You know you can't have babies. And so the angel... Um, Mutes him, mutes Zachariah. Zachariah comes out. It says that they, hello, welcome. They know that uh, they have this, um, he had this vision because they can tell maybe he had vision face, but he can't talk. And what the angel told me, you're going to have this baby that's going to bring, reunite the Israelites back to God. It's going to bring reconciliation. You can go back and read it between parents and kids, right? And it's going to be John. And John is going to have the spirit of God on him. And it's going to bring this life and this transformation. It's going to be wild. Again, nobodies. Then um, Elizabeth gets pregnant. Then the angel moves on down, finds Mary, and shows up. Mary is scared because that's what happens when an angel shows up. You react in fear. Why? Because they're a bunch of nobodies. Why would a God come to these people? Of all the people that this God could come to, God chose these people. And who's Mary? Who's Elizabeth? These are, um, these are not just nobodies. These are poor people. These are Middle Eastern occupied Jews. And who they are is a people that has been in occupation for a very long time. These are people who have been in exile. It is a story of their people, of going from God going to Abraham and saying, I'm going to make you my people, and we're going to show the whole world what it means to be human. That's essentially what God tells Abraham. You're going to be a, a light to the rest of the world of what it means to be human. And it goes from there, it goes to a murder, it goes to genocide, it goes to uh, um, exile, it goes to being owned and operated. The purpose was to make bricks for Pharaoh. Then God leads them out through Moses and gives them this beautiful law. And what happens? They still live in exile. They get this kingdom, and it's amazing. Then it gets broken down, and they go into exile. They build this beautiful temple, and it's awesome where God in heaven meets earth, and it gets burnt down. Then they build another one. They go into exile. They build another one. It gets ripped down. They go in exile. This is what it means to be the Hebrew people. They're in exile. And they're still to this day, the beauty of Judaism is they still believe that there is hope and restoration and peace, not just in when they're out of exile, but it's in the journey. 
it's in that struggle where you can find that beauty, you can find that connection with one another and find that connection with God. I love that. And so these are a people, right? Mary is uh, a Middle Eastern Jew who's probably 12 or 13 years old who is in, uh, is in a place of being occupied, who's in a place of being in oppression, is in a place that's just used to just being passed by. And of all the people that God can cho- choose, he tells the story to Mary. Tells a story to someone who is oppressed. Tells a story who is nobody. Angel says, uh, you're going to have a son. It's going to change absolutely everything, right? It's going to change absolutely the course of history. And so what does Mary do? She gets up, and she essentially runs away. She goes, leaves her family, and goes to hang out with her cousin Elizabeth. It is 81 miles away from where she was, and she runs away. Why? Because that's what you do when you're scared, That's what you do when you feel hopeless. That's what you do when you feel, uh, like, maybe exhilarated and excited, but also scared out of your mind. Like, that is a very normal thing. And those two things are not um, at odds with one another. You can be scared. You can feel panic. You can feel unsure and still feel joy and still feel hope. You can still feel that darkness, but the darkness can't overcome the light. And she walks in. She walks in, sees Elizabeth who knew, she knew that she couldn't get pregnant, and what happens is that she sees Elizabeth is probably six months pregnant this time, and as soon as Mary walks in, um, uh, John, Elizabeth's baby, begins to move because that's what happens when divine love shows up. There's this wildness in all this story of this running, this moving, these angels, this light, this fear, babies jumping up and down, and then Elizabeth goes into this beautiful song. And it's, you should go back, Luke chapter 1. It is absolutely wonderful. And out of response to that song, we come to Mary's song. And this is what I'm going to read. And I'm going to read it twice. I think about this song probably way too much. Uh, uh, I think about this passage all the time. Because what Mary is singing is who Jesus is going to become to be. And of all the things you could think about a God, of all the, the things that if you were Luke and you got to tell the story to Theopolis of who this God is, of who Jesus is, why these words? And I want you to pay attention to the words. If you're watching online, I want you to pay attention to the words. What, <clears throat> what words stand out? What emotion um, uh, gets, gets brought up? What words do you like? What words don't you like? What words frustrate you? What words bring you peace? And what words bring you joy? I'm going to read it once through. I'm going to pause. I'm going to read it again. And then we're going to break it down for a little bit. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And I'm reading out of the message. And Mary said, I'm bursting with good news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave after wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He's bared his arms, showed his strength, scattered the bluffering braggarts. He knocked tyrants off high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies and piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, I am bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy set me apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave after wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. 
He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffering breakers. He knocked tyrants off the high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel, remembered and piled on the mercies and piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. So of all the words to sing, and even the words that Luke chose to highlight in the song from what he heard, this song doesn't really make sense. If you're thinking about power, if you're thinking about God, if you're thinking about divine rule, if you think about that's the kind of God you see is coming on strong, coming down with this mission, this song is completely backwards. Because what is the, what, what, what is the song telling of? It's telling of a, of a God who saw us, who saw people. It's a, telling of a God who is bringing down the high and the mighty and bringing them down and bringing those who are left out, bringing them back up. It is a, it is a story, it is a song about how God notices people in the mud. God notices the hungry and does something about it. This is a wild idea of the system that we help build. This, on their high thrones, on their high horses, the only way we can build and have that kind of structure is that we all believe the same story. And God is saying, the, the story that you've told of what it means to be good, the story you told of what it means to be celebrated, what it means to be successful, what it means to belong, what it means to be beautiful, the system that you built, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually tear it down. And the very people that that system has left behind, I'm going to them because that's the kind of God that we have. The very system that the people at the table got to decide who's in and out, who got to be celebrated, who got to eat, who got their needs met, he's saying, yeah, I'm changing that table. The very hungry now are at this banquet. They get to celebrate. They're included. And those who once walled off now are left in the cold. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is every parable that Jesus told. This is what Jesus did from table to table, from party to party. Mary is singing this song before Jesus is even born. This is the song that she would have sang over him when he was a little boy. This is the song she would have told him over and over again as he's running around with his friends. This is who the Christ is. And who the Christ is is someone who goes in the mud. It is someone who sees the forgotten people. It is someone who goes to the nobodies and reminds them, you've always been somebody. The Christmas story is not just that God came with us and lived a perfect life and died a death on the cross and resurrected so we gave eternal life. If that's all it is, that is a sad story. That is not a sad story. That is not a big enough story. The Christmas story is that there is a God who saw us. There's a God who came to us. There's a God to be us, to be with us. The God that delivers people out of the mud. And I don't know about those of you here and those online. I love this story because I need this story. It It is hard out there right now. Like I said in the very beginning, the amount of people that I have talked to who are pretending to be okay, who are playing this game. I'm better than I, I, I'm not as good as I say or pretending that I am. There is people who are dealing with addictions. There is people who are dealing with um, financial problems. There's people who are dealing with seasonal depression, and it is hard out there. And what this story says is that God sees us. Not only does God see us, but God takes us out of the mud. So here's to my friends, if you're here, or you're listening online, or you're watching online, here's to the forgotten people in the room. To some degree, we probably all feel forgotten. To some degree, I imagine, I don't, well, I'll speak for myself, I feel like a nobody. 
I feel like an imposter half the time. There's times where I, I, there's half the times people like I feel like someone's just gonna come and pull the curtain behind and say, ah, yeah, Chris made it all up. It's like, yeah, that's, at times I feel like I'm trying to string it together, right? Doing life, doing church, doing spirituality, doing like trying to be a good person, it is hard out there. So here's to my nobodies. You are somebody, and you have a sense of belonging. You have done hard things, and we continue to do hard things. And you are not alone. That you are deeply loved, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so this Christmas, I hope that this song, I hope you think about this song as much as I think about this song, of there's someone who sees me in the mud. There's, not, there's someone who sees me when I'm hungry, and there's a place for me to belong. Now, if that's where we end, we'd be missing out on the whole plot. We'd be missing out on um, even the purpose of Mary's song. Because for so long, this is where the church stops. We have this interpretation, as we should. We feel inspired, and we apply the story to ourselves, which is important. We need to do that. But <laughs> the thing is, we do, like, the words of Jesus, but we also have to do the works of Jesus. Because if it just stops with how I feel and interpret me, but never goes to actually feeding the hungry people, if it never actually goes to for me going to help people in the mud, then we've missed the gospel. Because there's literally people in our neighborhoods who are hungry. There's people walking through the, the, the hallways of the schools in our neighborhoods who that's their only meal they get. There is people walking around without access to health care they need for their bodies and for their mental health. There are people walking around with addictions. There's people walking around contemplating ending their life. We can do something. We can be that light. We can be that hope if we're willing to open our eyes, if we're willing to see where the mud is in our community, if we're willing to invite and make a table that is radically inclusive so people can come and be with us. Like I said earlier, when I had COVID, someone said, I'm going to throw you on our prayer list. And that little action made me feel like I'm not alone. We can do these things. This is who we are as followers of Jesus, of Jesus-looking people. This is who we are as a neighbor of church. This is why we still have our services open. So you can come at any time, right? You can walk in so you can get a cup of coffee. You can see other friends. You can inspire one another. Where we go, we can continue to be this light. So look for the people in the mud. Look for the hungry. And let's do something about it together. So let's stand, and I'm going to pray. I really do appreciate you guys coming out and being with us. I really do. Those of you who had to, got to walk down, well, some people who could walk down and people who, <laughs> and people who drove from Duluth and from wherever you came from, thank you for coming with us. And thank you for joining us online. Let me pray. So, God, we love you, and I thank you that you saw us. And I thank you that there is this new sun and there's new life, even in the midst of of the darkness, even in the midst of hard things. And I thank you that you came to a bunch of nobodies. You came to a family of people who are nobodies, outsiders, oppressed, <laughs> and pushed the margins. And that's who you said belongs. So I pray for my friends who feel as a nobody, people who feel forgotten people who feel neglected. God, will you come to us? 
God, will you lift us out of that mud? God, will you come and meet those needs that we have so we can be at that table, we can be at that party, we can be at that banquet with you? That you've reminded that we've always belonged, we've always been somebody. So be with us. I ask, God, that you would help us be able to to be the church and to be the people, to go to those in the mud, to go to those who are hungry, to go to those who feel like they're marginalized and out, and we can actually do something about it. Give us wisdom, give us moxie, and give us strength, God. Help us to be the, the kind of church that we can include and love everyone. And we love you. In your name, amen. All right. Friends, thank you for coming. If there's anything that we can do to help or you'd like some prayer, I'm going to be sticking around for about an hour. Have a good rest of your weekend.